Swinton paying Hermosa finds the target. Swinton it was. There's a little short kick from Hodge. Who gets the bounce? It's there for Banks. He flicks it out the back door and a try on debut for Tom Wright. What a start, Australia. Welcome to another episode of Rugby Fixation. This week, we're going to be diving into two of the teams, the Brumbies and the Hurricanes, to have a look at all the things that make up their squad, including the record they had in 2021, the players coming in and out, the most impactful uh, person that they could lose if there was an injury, players to look out for, ideal 23, the biggest hole uh, if there's injuries and their predicted finish in the competition. But I can't do it alone. You got sick of my brother. You've been sick of my mate. So what we've got is back for popular demand, Harry and Nelson from Giraffe Rugby. Guys, how are you doing? Very good, mate. And uh, no doubt they'll be screaming out for your other guests once they're finished with us. <laughs> so thanks for having us on. Good mate, to be here, mate. The, uh, the group chats I'm in blew up when the Drew episode of yours came out because they're like, okay, Giraffe Rugby season is actually right around the corner. We need all the insight we can get. And I think the Drew one in particular gave a lot of fans um, you know, a, a lot to dive into with some of the teams that might be less known. And Drew is definitely one of those. But Brumbies and Hurricanes, before we dive into them, two pretty well-known and established teams. Are these teams you're excited to watch this year? Mate, how can you not be excited about any Kiwi rugby team, to be fair? And then the the Brumbies as well, just another year with a lot of these players playing together, a bit more development. And it's going to be exciting to see how guys like Lolaseo step up after that bit of time in the Wallabies gold. Yeah, and I think um, I'm, I'm very excited to see if the Brumbies can actually match it with the Kiwi sides this year. You know, that's the, the big question over the Reds and the Brumbies. So very excited to see how they go. I think that leads us really well into the records for 2021. Because as I was putting the numbers together, I'm looking across and thinking, gee, Brumbies, eight from 15 wins. That's not very many. But when you consider they lost, what, four of the five to the New Zealand sides, that does sort of take away a lot of that sort of shine from what was a pretty good um, Super Rugby AU season. Only three losses were against the Reds. And of course, they were all pretty um, pretty interesting in the sense that it was all Nick Berry refereeing an ex-Reds player. They're all, you know, one in the last sort of minute. So, I mean, as a Reds fan, I'm stoked about the season, but they'll have a point to prove, I think, this year. Um, eight out of 15 wins, though. Was that a successful year for them, 2021, or probably a bit less than what they would have expected? I'll, Harry, oh, I'll throw to you, though. Uh, I, I think they would have expected a lot better. And no doubt they were, you know, a, a whisker away from winning, winning <clears> Super Rugby AU. I know there was the uh, Taniela Tupo dive where the ball may have, I know you don't want to hear this, Rev, but where Tupo knocked the ball on and the last, last play before they scored and uh, and won the game, stole it from them. So yeah. there's one big disappointment for them. And then I think they had one win in against the New Zealand side. So I think they'll be disappointed with eight from 15 for sure. And now, so I guess you're on the same boat, so I cut you off before that, but they did seem like the kind of team that would win more than they'd lose, and they did just sort of scrape that, but it's really not much for a team that looks really stacked on paper. Yeah, look, I think coming in from the year before when Super Rugby AU, I think they would have at least set the aim at doing the same again. So that's a step off, and then they definitely didn't have the Super Rugby trends Tasman season that they wanted um, I think they had to at least take a, a you know a couple of wins out wins out of that one. So um, I don't think they'll be happy with it, and I, I think they'll be working really hard to definitely you know shine in these games against the Kiwis this year. Yeah. Now we'll go through some of the ins and outs of the squad. I might throw um, the ins to Harry and the outs to Nelson just for one of the biggest um, inclusions exclusions. But looking through the names of players coming into the squad, uh, Jesse Moggs come across from Poe in uh, France, Cam Clark from the MLR. 
Ollie Sapsford, pretty exciting outside back from Hawke's Bay in the MPC. Uh, Chris Fiawai Sortia uh, from Oyana in France as well. And then Hudson Crichton from the Reds. Uh, the other two players that have come in and probably don't demand as high recognition, Rodney Iona, an old but not super experienced fly half, and Ed Kennedy, a sort of uh, hybrid lock slash list forward from the Scarlets and Wales. Uh, Harry, is there a player out of that that sticks out as being the, the biggest inclusion or it's just sort of much of a muchness for you? Um, I'm split, man. I think they've they've got way too many outside backs, to be honest. And you yeah. bring in Chris Fowway, Sortia and Jesse Mogg, they're, they're probably the two names that stand out to me as the most <laughs> exciting. Obviously, F Sortia can play pretty much anywhere in a back line. Yeah. But Jesse Mogg, he's, gone, he's been gone for what, four or five <clears> years <throat> and I think he was on the the fringes of becoming a, a Wallaby regular in the same way that Banks probably was two seasons ago um, when he left. So very interested to see how those two guys and the Brumbies set up where they can maybe be nurtured and, and freshen up a little bit. And uh, yeah, I, I really want to see how they go. And and I think both of them are are a chance to establish themselves into the main 15, which would be pretty big for both their careers. Yeah, I think that's massive around the um, outside backs because Looking at the players and trying to put together a 23, there were players I was leaving off the list. I thought, geez, these are good guys that could be starting or at least on the bench for a lot of Super Rugby teams and probably won't get that much game time for the Brumbies. Um, before we go to the outs, now, is that pretty similar to you? They're probably the two biggest inclusions for the team. Yeah, I, th- I think so. They've, they've obviously brought a few other people in with a bit of experience at Super Rugby level, like Cam Clark. But, I mean, being how stacked they are, I don't know how much we see him. It will be interesting to see where he fills into that that squad if he gets a bit of game time, if he's making numbers up. Because he's a guy that I think has, you know, really got very different opinions of him. Some people absolutely love him when he he's on the field. I think he works quite hard as, as a winger, gets involved. But... You know, a lot of other people don't think he has the shine of some of the other wingers in this squad. So I don't think we'll see a lot of them, but I, I'm really interested to see definitely if I was Sotia and Mog and where they fit in. I mean, just um, coming from my Reds position, I think CFS, everyone's very keen to see what he does and where he fits in, especially if he can overtake anyone in the starting team or if he's just utility, but it, it's an exciting team. Um, the players on the out, there's actually quite a lot of players that are either quite... Um, exciting options or players that have just sort of been in around the squad for a little bit, but might not have been starting. So they're not losing too many of their frontline talent, but the depth is definitely taking a little bit of a, a hit with some of these players. So some of the players missing out, Archer Holtz, Harry Lloyd, they've gone to two rival Super Rugby clubs, uh, as have Isaac Fines, Bailey Quinzel, Christian Passatoa and uh, Reese Tarpane, all going to the force. Uh, James Tucker's gone back across to, I think, the Blues Henry Stowers to Moana Pacifica with Solomon Cutter. And then Mac Hansen's gone overseas to Connacht. And I think Will Miller and Tom Cusack, uh, two mm. open sides who have retired. So a long list of outs, uh, probably five or so names in there that I'm pretty excited by. Uh, Nelson, who's the biggest loss out of that lot for this Brumbies team? Well, I think when we're looking at that list, for me, it's depth in two positions. It's depth at fly half and it's depth at, you know, open side flanker. Um, and then... If you throw a couple injuries into it, that's where they're really going to feel it. I don't think there's a huge loss in their starting side. Um, I mean, we'll we'll go through who we think is going to cover that sevens jersey, and they've got some options there. So, look for me, I'm I'm a huge Will Miller fan. Sad to see him go. I'm super excited about someone like Mac Hansen. Really sad to see him go. So, they're they're interesting people for me. Pasatoa Kunsul. They're all, all names you really don't want to lose in yeah. your squad, but for, for those guys, it's good to see them get some game time elsewhere. 
And Harry, the same for you, because we've, we've named nearly everyone. Is it <laughs> just Archer, Holtz and Reese Tarpano? We're not that fussed about. But, I mean, there's a lot of names there that um, are big losses. I, I think, for me, Mac Hansen is the most exciting that's going. Um, yeah. And, and I know he got a bit of a mention on your podcast as well, talking about the Brumbies and their sort of makeup there. So the, the one thing that I did want to look at, just as we're talking about these outs, because we are losing two fly-half um, options in Pasatora and Kunzel, Harry, is that going to be the biggest problem area if there's an injury? Yeah, 100%. And I think it's highly likely to be a problem to cost them at least a game or two this year. You're talking about a season where pretty much every player at some point is going to miss a game or two with COVID. Uh, and they've got basically zero depth in that position. So, yeah, I, I agree. Mac Hansen's the name where you go, he could have been anything and they've really lost a star there or a future star, current star in Ireland, apparently. Um, but, yeah, the uh, the depth at 10 is is just completely bare to what they had last year where we thought, wow, they've got three young stars that could be anything. And, you know, they've gone from uh, an embarrassment of riches there to a real issue if he goes yeah. down. Just what we're looking at injury holes, this one is a bit off the cuff, but Nels, one of the players that we sort of highlighted as an injury hole um, was Alan Alatola. Like if he goes down, that's a pretty big loss for the team. Would you see them putting Tom Ross into something? Because he's been around the club for a while now, or do you think it's still put CO at loose head and slipper comes across the tight head? It's it's a bit of a hard one. I, I'm not too sure. that if, you, if you're reading some reports coming out of camp, CO is set for a big year back into, uh, you know, in, into some good form and off the paddock. So if he can translate that into the paddock, surely we're going to see more minutes of him starting. But it, it's going to be a hard one. I, I don't think you want to lose Alala Toa. Um, I'd personally be giving Ross that chance um, to, to cover it. And um, CEO will, would stick behind Slipper and, and continue that if they want to develop, develop Ross moving forward. And I'm sure that's what they want to do. The easy answer is obviously just, you know, throw CEO or, or Slipper into that role. But it is a big transition. CEO has gone back and forth a, a few times. If he's wanting to keep going for the Wallabies, uh, I suppose you probably don't want to be bouncing back and forth too much. Yeah. I think that's probably when we get to the other teams eventually as well. I'll, we'll bring up with Tom Robertson and Harry Johnson-Holmes, two players that can go on either side and they probably just need to settle on one just so they can actually get some wallabies minutes if that's what they're after um i'm very keen to get to the best 23 because having listened to your pod i think we'll have a few positions where um you know undecided on i'm really keen to debate that out but for a player to look out for um i'll let you guys go first because i've got someone that i'm really keen to see play and i'm hoping one of you might say him as well who's someone in this brumby squad that you really want to see have a big 2022 Who's, whose turn is it you reckon to step up and either assert themselves as a starting Brumbies player or even take the next step for the Wallabies. Um, Harry, who, who is it for you? Probably Nick Frost. Um, they've obviously got some decent depth there with Darcy Swain. Sorry, Nelson, so he was. Uh, Darcy Swain and, and Caden <clears throat> Neville. Uh, but Nick Frost is just one of those blokes that could be anything in a couple of seasons. And I think he's kind of in and amongst the wider training squad last <clears throat> year for the Wallabies. And he's starting to come come through with the talent that he's been promising since he was in the Crusaders Academy as well. So he's a big unit. He's put a lot of size on for this season. And I've just got a sneaking suspicion that he's going <clears> to <throat> jump over the top of Caden Neville in the ranks this <clears throat> year and kind of have a massive, massive season. Um, Nelson, I'm... I'm sighing as well because he was my answer um nick frost yeah. is what i'm keen for but uh is there someone else you reckon that it, uh, brumby's fans should well, be excited about 
Yeah, look, oh, Frost is the clear one. But if, we, if we're going to look for another one there, it's, it's that Sevens jersey. And I think for a long period of time, we've been wanting to see Jerome Brown um, break out onto the scene. He, he has had a few moments where he's shown that he can pilfer really well, that he's you know a hard body. I don't think we've seen all the skill set that he has. I think he is a really good player. So it'll be interesting to see him and maybe if we're, we're just going in that position, um, uh, who we're thinking of the young oh, Rory Rimer. Scott. No, Rory oh, Rimer. No, no, Scott, sorry. Okay. Harry Rimer. Yeah, Rory Scott as well. So the, yeah. the battle between those two for that sevens jersey, I think that'll be a really exciting one. I'd, I'd give the edge to Brown, but there's yeah. going to be a good battle there. This is why I love having you guys on because Frost and uh, uh, that Brown and Scott dilemma, they were my options as well because Rory Scott, <laughs> at first I thought, oh, he should start, but I keep hearing all these great things about Jerome Brown and then I see that Scott's only 19, I think turning 20 maybe later this year. Just so young still. Like it, it's um, plenty of room for him to grow. So yeah, that seven jersey is really exciting. Um, but I mean, just looking at the team, they're so stacked. Like there's so many great options that this team can have. So let's go through the 23. Um, and this isn't necessarily, uh, for people listening, this isn't necessarily the, the best team on paper. This is a team that I'd like to see. Um, and we'll just sort of throw it around and see which positions we agree in. But for me, uh, Front rows, Slipper, Feinger, and Al Latala. Any changes there? Would no, I man. I think you're on point there. I mean, I, th- I think Feinger probably uh, established himself <clears> as the first choice Wallabies hooker for the bulk of the the domestic. No, sorry, the international tests. Yeah. Um, but man, there's a lot of depth there as well. You're going to see a lot of rotation, aren't you? Yeah. Well, and this is the thing. This is where like they've started talking about centralisation. I'm wondering if that does take any sort of effect with their depth and hookers because obviously we've got three wallabies hookers there and what two teams that don't have any wallabies hookers so there could be that room for movement the the crazy thing there is yes you've got lonigan mcinerney and fainga um but they've got billy pollard who is seen as a really big prospect that is just a ridiculous wealth of riches that hooker and they really need to be sharing this around. If you're Billy Pollard and you've signed on for a few years, which I'm pretty sure he has, that's a huge, huge thing to basically say, I just want to be part of this Brumby squad. You yeah. know, like I'm behind all these guys, but I don't want to go somewhere else. That that must be just, you know, an, an awesome culture there if you don't want to leave at that point. I think especially like, I think of that depth there. And as a Reds fan, I know outside of Alex Murphy, our, our two hooker options are Richie Asiata and um, Josh Nasser, who started the season at the Reds as props and have just transitioned. <laughs> I think combined, I think the numbers, they've played 106 minutes of hooker at the Reds. Okay. So, like, that's staggeringly low. And I get that Pollard hasn't made his debut, I don't think. But, um, I mean, still, to have you know, someone that actually plays hooker and has been the whole time would make a difference. But getting sidetracked, I, I'll find a way to bring up Reds wherever I can. Um the locks. I've gone for Neville and Swain to start with. Um, I, I do think Frost will take that by the end of the season, but I, I think that probably makes the most sense to start with. And then a back row of Valentini, Brown, and Samu. So are we on board with that so far? 100%. That's, that's exactly what I had. Yeah, I had the same dilemma as you in the sense that when I wrote this team out to begin with, it was Scott at seven. Yeah. Just because I was interested with him last year. I thought he was really good. He's got lots of promise. But again, I just don't think we've seen, you know, the talent that Brown is. So I yeah. think he gets that first shot for sure. Yeah. Plus, I keep seeing all these awesome numbers from Brown and like all the um, Bronco training and all the stuff they're doing. Apparently, he's just tearing it up. So 
I'm keen to see him actually, you know, with a full season of that injury, what he can do in that jersey. Fingers crossed. Uh, the back line, I think, is where we might have a few different bits of debate. So, um, obviously, we've got Albert starting at nine. And <laughs> <laughs> no, so we've got Nick White and uh, Noah Lollasio. Hopefully, no um, you know, surprises are there. But I think the pick and drive guys just called in, mate. I just got a text from them. They said that they've got Ryan Lonigan starting. <laughs> yeah, at nine. makes sense. <laughs> That would be uh, Ando with the love heart eyes emojis for sure. Um, <laughs> but I, I think even centers, Simone and Nikita are pretty locked. It's the outside backs that I'm really keen to see how they break down. Because even mm. for me, I'm not really set on how I see them weighing up. I think Tom Wright has got one of the jerseys. I've got him on the left wing. I've kept Andy Muirhead on the right wing just because he actually did impress with the amount of broken tackles and things he could pull off in Super Rugby AU in particular. And then Tom Banks, fullback. Nelson, I'll throw to you, are you wanting that to look any different? Do you want a few changes to that? Look, I, I think for me, I, I do want to see Mog on the that right wing. Uh, he played a lot of right wing before he's come back. Obviously, he's more of a fullback traditionally and everyone knows him really as a fullback. But Muirhead has continued to frustratingly impress. Like, I, I don't <laughs> get what it is about him. You know, like, yeah. he doesn't look like he should be a winger that's doing what he's doing yeah. um, but he, he just seems to beat guys you know in, yeah. in the most tiny amounts of space can, can i ask the real question yeah. if he had julian severe's <laughs> body and had the exact oh, yeah. same stats that he had right now would you be starting him every single game yes yeah, yeah. It, it, better than Corabetti, better than Callaway. yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he yeah. just he impresses but for, i just don't know what it is like yeah. i actually like him don't get me wrong i'm not saying i don't like him but I just, he will never be a Wallabies winger that's going to get good minutes there. So, like, Mog might fill a void for the Wallabies in the 2023 World Cup. I don't see Muirhead filling that vault, yeah. void. So, for me, Mog's come back to Australia wanting a Wallabies jersey, and he has to be serious about, you know, putting his name down on that that back three, whether it's fullback or, or right wing. So, yeah. I think he's going to do everything he can, and, and that right wing is probably going to be where he gets his first shot. It is funny just mentioning the Muirhead because I had the same thing with Leota. I think that they've got that sort of similarity of like, based on what they do on the field, there's nothing sort of wrong with them. Like they're doing everything right. But when they got picked in the Wallaby squad, I'm like, oh, really? Well, that's, is that the right person? But yeah, I mean, they, they can prove me wrong. Um, Leota already has Muirhead might given the chance. Um, Harry, is, is that your back three? Are you on board with Nelson, me, somewhere in between? Um, I, I look, I, I think I'll echo both of you. I'm not, not going to give anything to uh, individual here. I had Andy Muirhead as one of my starting wingers because mm. that's what I expect to happen. Yeah. But I'd love to see Sortia and Jesse Mogg get in the run there as well. And then yeah. it can be down to who performs the best, right? I, I think Tom Wright and, uh, and Tom Banks are definitely locked in. They're, they're the two Wallabies. You know, Banks was the starting 15 for the Wallabies last year. So they're, they're locks. And then it's just who, who comes in the last spot. I've got a question for you, Ed. Um, in terms of Mog, obviously we know him as a fullback. There's holes in Banks' game that, you know, he's not the fully rounded fullback. Do, you, do we think Mog's going to get a bit of a shot there to actually try to take that jersey off him? I mean, you'd think that's a, a conducive environment for everyone to, to keep improving or do you think he's just going to be kind of used as a backup there or on the on the wing i'd probably see him just as the backup to start just because banks has been given like all the starting opportunities for the wallabies <clears throat> when you know when possible so I, I think 
he should be used as a backup. If he comes in and he's, you know, still as good as he was when he left, he's, you know, still got that great kicking game and maybe offers a bit more. Uh, there's no reason why he couldn't shift back there. And I think even just seeing the speed of Banks, I mean, either of them could interchange on the wing somewhat well. Um, I still think Banks probably attacks best from fullback because he needs that space and somewhere to sort of run through. But um, for me, I, I still think Banks has to be the starting fullback. I really want the season to be dedicated to Banks, Hodge, Pattaya, starting 15 for the club the whole season and just whoever's the best of the lot, you know, pick for the ball. No one, no one can need a wasi off, yeah. you know, like one of the yeah, oh, right. yeah, sorry. Tons of options at the time. He went without saying, you know, the other ones I had to, you know, <laughs> spruce up a little bit, but yeah, Marky Mark, he's... <laughs> We haven't sent you the topless photo of him enough yet. That's, that's <laughs> why you're not thinking of him. I just actually um, just need to make sure it's not my background on my phone because I think that's um, <laughs> that's an impressive shot. Um, yeah. yeah, look, I think the Brumbies team, no matter what way you shake it, it's going to be really impressive. The only other position, because I was sort of going through the benches as well. I mean, we're going to have CEO on the bench as a Wallaby. Good chance <clears> to have Lonigan on the bench in the Wallaby squad. Um, CFS and Mog, if they're on the bench, they've got Wallabies caps. Um, the one for me, I've put Connell McInerney on the bench. I, I prefer him over Lonigan. I think he's, well, he's older, obviously, but he's, I think, better in the set piece. He's obviously got more size mm-hmm. on him at the moment too. I think he's probably the safer option. Is there a chance that Lonigan overtakes him, or, or am I wrong? Will Lonigan just have that jersey from the start? Look, I, I don't know. That's that's a really big dilemma for them, and it, I mean, it's a good one to have, but... Um, McInerney really just continued to build and impress, you know, in the last couple of years. He, he, when he came in, he didn't have the hype that some of these other guys do. And I don't know, he's, he's 26. He's got plenty of time left. One of these two is going to really have to step up to push the other one out of that jersey, or, or we might see them sharing minutes throughout the year. But, um, I mean, Lonigan, with the amount of time that he's got with the Wallabies as well, you'd kind of have to hand it to him if you had to go marginal more minutes. But I, I do think we're going to see a rotation between them unless one really steps up or one gets injured. It is going to be interesting having every week where there's a Wallabies hooker not playing. That does seem like it's a bit of a you know, step backwards yeah. in terms of development. But it, it, as you said, great problem for um, Laurie Fisher and uh, Dan McKellar to have as they sort of go through all the different forward, you know, um, this, permutations. The amount of injuries that teams had in the last couple of years. I mean, yeah, this, yeah. I think we learned that from Rev. Thirty-eight <laughs> yeah. uh, players generally play each year. For exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, there's we're going to see all three of them. I think even um even more suddenly, some teams just get really affected. So the Waratahs only played thirteen games last year, and they used forty-three players. Like that's a crazy amount. Um, just to be going through. Um, it, it really makes me think like how big these squads have to be in, especially if it's one position that keeps getting impacted, which uh, for them, I think was the front row just kept getting hammered. But that seems like a pretty good rundown for the Brumbies. We'll finish with a prediction. Um, and then obviously the, the thing that I think the listener will be most keen for is the top three fantasy picks for that team. Um, so out of the 12 teams in the comp, where do you see this team finishing on the ladder? Harry, I'll start uh, with you. Australian table or the AU table, I'm going to say second. Is that, is that relevant? Which means all over, that means they finish second. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. 
No, no, yes. I think they'll probably beat two Kiwi sides this year. I could see yeah. them beating the Highlanders, who I think are, are probably a bit thinner in, in the uh, squad this year, and probably the Hurricanes as well, who, are, again, have some depth issues of them, their own. So yeah. I, I could see them beating both those sides, plus the two new guys and uh, and the Reds or Pippen, I think, in the Aussies. Very nice of you. Nelson, how about you? Yeah, look, I'm of a pretty similar opinion. Um, they'll probably be sitting fourth or fifth. If they're sitting fourth, I think that's that's really quite good. Um, so, but that's probably the the target. Um, depends if they can pip the Reds and, and how they've evolved from from those losses against them last year. But yeah, yeah I, I think they're probably second in the Australian Conference, and I think yeah, fourth, fifth is where they're sitting. I think that's um pretty bang on with what I'm thinking. I've, I've put them down as fourth. Um, I actually think they will beat the Reds this year. I think just looking at the two sets of 23s, there's something about the Brumbies. It looks so good. And the depth on the bench is great. So, um, yeah, pretty heartbreaking to say as a Reds fan. But I, I think they're probably fourth and fifth, the two of them. And I see Brumbies probably just edging them at the moment. Well, but, they've got a few exciting people they've thrown in, but they're also not yeah. going, you know what, let's chuck some random person at fullback and then <laughs> and do, do things like yeah. that, some random pataya. But... Yeah, look, I, I think the, the Brumbies is definitely a little bit more settled with some of those things, and, and yeah. that's going to go a long way for them. Yeah, so I'm very excited by them. Um, and I guess to add to that excitement, the thing that really, what I'm keen to know, the three best picks of fantasy players from their team. So th- this is tough um, because I don't want to name nine people. Maybe we just do one or two each. But uh, Nelson, who's someone in that Brumbies team that you need to have in your draft team? Um, scrolling through that list, there's definitely a few that sit there that are, are potentially really exciting players. I, I think, sadly, for, for me, just because I don't think he's got the evolved game, but for a fantasy game, Tommy Banks is, yeah. is really good. Last year, he was he was an absolute weapon there. Um, so 39 points on average a year. I think he was their top. All right. Yep. Um, obviously, it's a stacked position outside backs. So you got to take that as on board as well. But he just he can find the line. He's he's a quick, quick, hard running boy on the back of a really solid back line. So yep. he's not not a bad one. Very nice. And Harry, who's someone for you that um, you're pretty keen to get your hands on? Uh, I'm going to say Pete Samu. I think nice. when he's consistently starting, he scores really, really well because he's got such a good running game and he's got a big work rate around the field in D as well. So. He's been hampered the last couple of seasons by just being rotated in and in and out. But I think the loss of Cusack and Miller mean that he's he's going to get consistent game time. And I, I reckon he'll be one of the best, if not the best player for them. Yeah, nice. Um, Summer would have actually been mine as well. I've got such a soft spot for him in that team. I think he just adds so much. Um, but one of the players that I'm pretty keen to get, and it won't be early rounds, but I think he's probably the last lock that I'm excited by is Darcy Swain. Uh, I mm. just think his game's evolved a lot over the last sort of year or so. And while he's not going to be a uh, first, maybe six-round pick or anything like that, I think he's around my ninth or so lock in terms of my preferences. And, and he's someone that I think will do better than most people are expecting. It might be a bit of a sleeper pick. So Swain, for me, um, I'm excited by whether he lives up to that because mm. I don't think his last year was overly great stats-wise, but um, I, I think he's got something to to go into. So very exciting. I'm I'm keen to dive into that. But look, the I'm team just that... looking at his stats now. Yeah. The big thing for me is he needs to make more carries. You know, he, he got a lot of game time last year, 
but literally in the last four games he played, five games he played, he never made more than two carries. So yeah, if he's yeah. going to be a fantasy scorer, mm-hmm. they really need to start to use him to get forward uh, and with ball in hand. And I'm, I'm not sure that that's how they see him in a team with so many good damaging runners. But, yeah, I think that's probably the big question if, if he can bring that to his game. I'm thinking it'll be the four line-out steals against the Waratahs. That's a kind of um, <laughs> the thing I need. Just... I'd love to disagree with you, but I can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, look, if I was going for someone that's going to go high, like Alatol is obviously so exciting. And, you know, even um, Noel Lolasio without the competition for 10 jerseys might make him a little bit higher on the list. But realistically, where all the exciting uh, draft options are happening is the New Zealand side of the draw. So let's have a look at Hurricanes. Um, they've got... Pretty interesting squad and a few already big outs just from the start of the season. So touching on the 2021, they've got a pretty similar win-loss record to Brumbies. They won seven of their 13 and they were the only New Zealand side that didn't make any of the finals. So, you know, they've got a point to prove. They're um, probably hurting a little bit from that. Seven of 13, um, I think that is technically the worst record out of the New Zealand sides. Uh, Harry, should that be something that they're concerned about or is that still a good season for them? Oh, they're definitely concerned about it. I don't think there's a single New Zealand side that's happy to take a season of 7 for 13. Like, every single New Zealand side expects to win every single game, don't they? At least against the Aussies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. So, yeah, I, I think they'll be very disappointed. Um, no, no doubt they'll be aiming for a finals and, and at least a semi-final finish this year, and, and I'm sure they'll be backing themselves to win the whole comp. So, yeah, they'll be very, very disappointed. And... Now, I guess being the only team that didn't make the finals, that's, you know, a massive thing to take. Are the chances of doing that much better this year? Oh, look, I, I think eight teams out of 12 when, you know, you got the two new sides coming in, a few Aussie teams with some significant changes. Look, I think they really need to make that top eight. It's, it's yeah. not a huge ask. So if they're, if they're not making that top eight, something's seriously wrong. And we'll go through obviously the the changes in the squad, and there's some significant ones, but I don't, yeah. I don't reckon they will. But okay. yeah, no, I say, they, <laughs> I, they really they really might not. But I mean, if you're a Kiwi and you're not making top eight of fourteen sides when it's two teams for a season, yeah. something is seriously wrong. Yeah. Um. So it's a Kiwi team. We can't. I can't bank against them. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, let's have a look at the players that they've brought in because there are some big names. There's a lot of names. Um, so there's some big, some that I don't think will be getting any game time. Uh, Owen Franks, he's a big name, but we'll, we'll get to him soon because he's also one of the outs. Uh, Pasilio Tosi, another prop. Uh, Don Bird, a nice experienced lock who's come back across from France, uh, as well as Justin Sangster, Caleb Delaney, Blake Gibson from the Blues, TK Howden and Tyler Lobsher in the forward. So there's a decent chunk there. Uh, throwing into the mix, TJ Perinara, uh, who's come back from Japan. Aiden Morgan, one of the fly halves from the MPC, and then Balen Sullivan, Ty Walden, and Josh Morby in the back. So there's some big names there. Well, I guess we'll touch on them. Harry, who's the biggest name coming in out of that lot? Uh, out of, uh, obviously, we'll we'll ignore Franks, which, as you said, yeah. we'll get to. But I, I think probably the smartest pick for them could well be... There's a few there I'm, I'm judging between, but if I have to pick one, I'm going to say Dominic Bird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
obviously Blackwell and Scrafton are probably the incumbents at lock for them. But Dominic Bird was very good back when he played for the Crusaders, has a couple of Kiwi caps. He's been overseas to France and, and uh, you would expect developed his game further. Yeah. He's a talented, talented lock and, and could be a really integral part of their forward pack. And I think he brings that grunt that they they often get said to uh, to be lacking in a Hurricane scene that likes to throw the ball around so much. Yeah. I think he's a smart call because he's, I think he's also like ridiculously tall, isn't he? He's, got he's, two, he's definitely 200 plus, but um, yeah, Harry's just getting out on the, the numbers now. 206. Yeah. 206. Like that's, that's massive, boy. especially compared to some of the locks they've been running. Like, yeah, I think of the Hurricanes locks. I think of, you know, players like, um, Michael Fido has spent a bit of time there. Um, Michael Fatialofa, um, and even as I walk away over the last few years, like some yep. of those players are probably one nineties, but just like really damaging runners and probably a bit more abrasive with the loose side of things. Having someone like Burden, there's a massive get. Um, now, who else is a massive in for you? Look, I, I think Don Bird's the, the clear one. He was my favorite. There's, there's two other guys. I'll jump on one just in case to leave you the other one, but <laughs> Um, I don't think he's going to be a starting option, but he gives them, you know, options and, and cover is Tay Walden. I, I do think he's really quite a good centre. Um, that centre pairing is, is probably pretty sad. I think we're all going to be in a, on a similar mindset around that. But he just adds a little bit of that, you know, extra option for them, a little bit of versatility in the combinations they can do and how they can play in that, yeah. that centre role. Um, and I think he's been really good when he's had the shot over the last few years as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think back to the Highlanders' centre combo of Walden and uh, Rob Thompson, like that was a really killer combination for a long time. Yeah. None of them really getting that higher on a call up or um, getting much chance to sort of show themselves, but two really smart football players. So I think having Walden in there does help a lot with whoever they choose to name. Yeah. Um, and obviously one of the big ones, just as they try and build up that combination again, uh, TJ Perinara coming in, you know, huge. The thing for me is he spent a lot of the last few years playing scrum half to start and then being the reserve fly half. Like whenever the scrum half would come on, he'd, you know, sort of step in and play that role. I don't know if he'll do the same with Ruben Love there at the moment. He seems quite good and exciting, but he's going to be getting nearly every minute possible, you'd have to imagine. So that's um, a massive get for them. Um, joining the outs, and this probably adds to why Toe Wadden's such a, a big get as we get to some of the names here, but the Hurricanes are going to be losing Fraser Armstrong and Ricky Riccatelli in the front row. Uh, Kane LaPepe and Liam Mitchell out of the locks. Gareth Evans and Vifafita out of the back row, so they're all gone. Uh, on top of two halfbacks in Luke Campbell and Jonathan Tomatini, who's gone across to the minor Pacifica. Simon Hickey is going to join the Crusaders, uh, at least for a little bit, as a fly-half cover. And then Auburn Ledger, Vince Arso, Nani Lamape, Danny Tawala, and Lalangi Visania. They all head off too. So a lot of centers in that mix. Um, Nels, there's really only one name, I think. Who, who's the biggest loser in that group? Oh, mate, how can you go past Lamape? Yeah. Oh. yeah. Vince Arso, mate. No, we, look, we're, Vince we're, we're massive Vince Arso contenders, yeah. don't get me wrong. But man, he's just been dominant and extremely physical yeah. in that, that center. I don't know that center position. No one runs harder than this guy through whatever the traffic is at a center role he's he's an absolute battering ram for them and and i think in the past you know you just give him the ball if if something's not going your way you just send him up through the middle and he gives you that chance to to reset and um they don't have him there to to fill that role they do have some good players but he's he's impossible to replace for me yeah in that role at least 
Harry, before I throw to you, two of the other outs, I guess, are the two players we sort of alluded to before, two of the injuries they've already had this season with um, uh, Frank, who has just come in and been injured immediately. And then uh, Isaiah Walker-Lewery, who's also going to miss, I, th- I think, the whole season with injury. Um, yeah. Do they make the cut as one of the biggest uh, outs for the team? Or, or is there someone else on that list that you think, you know, Hurricanes are going to struggle with it? Uh, it's hard to assess where Owen Franks is, is with his career mm-hmm. being a little bit later on. Obviously, he's a bit of an All Blacks legend. I, I think if he was in good form, then he's definitely one of their biggest losses. You know, I think um, the front row or the props in particular, I shouldn't say the front row, the props are probably a position of weakness for them in my eyes. And having someone with the quality of Owen Franks is a massive, massive loss. So, yeah, I think firstly, he is my my probably my my second biggest loss after La Mape. Um, and uh, I don't know, Walkerly aware and not so much. I, I think having Don Berg come mm-hmm. in, they've got a bit of backup there and they have, yeah. and he wasn't starting anyway. So yes, he's got the talent, but I, I don't think he's quite uh, a starter and a giant loss for them at the moment, although he could be anything in the future. Yeah. And, and just to give him due credit, because he did sort of mention him before, but Vince Arso as well. I think he's just someone, you know, five years ago, mm-hmm. superstar, you know, sort of topping the try scoring tallies with La Marpe, but, um, mm-hmm. For the last few years, he's just been able to cover any position. He probably hasn't been a starter, but like he's just someone you can bank on. If there's any injury, he'll be able to fill in in the centers or on the wings and, and do a really good job. So I think they are going to feel that uh, sort of lost presence if some of the new guys I get can't stand up. I, I definitely think he's of a higher caliber than a Josh Morby or someone like that, even though they're slightly different positions. Um, player to look out for. I might kick this one off just because you guys, <laughs> you're on the money, so you're taking all my answers as well. I need to get something out there just to make sure I'm not just copying you. But um, for me, it's Peter Amunga Jensen. He's He's got yeah. such a big uh, role this year, I think, trying to fill in the void of those lost centers. And he's, you know, he's got his cap for the All Blacks. He's obviously a really exciting player and he's torn up NPC. Like he, whenever you see the stats come up on the screen, like the amount of broken tackles and, you know, um, damaging things he was doing ball in hand, I think he's going to be the, the next big battering ram. They need to use him like that. Um, but obviously, this is a team stacked with talent. So, Harry, who's someone else that is a player that you're keen to uh, see this year? Before I answer, can I actually ask you a question on on Peter Ramanga Jensen? Because yeah. I find him fascinating for this war, this Hurricane side. I almost called it the Warriors, <laughs> uh, the Hurricane side this year because he obviously played outside of La Marpe when he was so good a couple of seasons ago, and then last year it looked like he fell out of favour, and Billy Proctor was being picked above him. Yeah. Do, do you see him as a 12 option now to partner Proctor or do you think he's just going to usurp him and get back to his All Blacks form? How, how do you think they'll use him? I actually don't have Proctor in my um, starting team at all. I, I don't rate Proctor as much as the, the coaches do. Um, and again, he's not, his brother, team, is he? no, he's not his brother. He's not the best player in the world um, or the best center <laughs> in the world, whatever it was called. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, no, I've gone for probably a slightly different team. Um, but yeah, for me, it depends on what the coach uses him because I think, if you're mm-hmm. set on having Walden, then you'd have Walden as your 12 and Munger Jensen as 13. But for me, I see him as a 12. So I've got him at 12. And um, I want to fast track Balen Sullivan to the 13 jersey, if I'm honest. Yeah, so, I, um, I mean, we've seen what Zahn can do. Sullivan's been unreal in NPC. But we'll, we'll, we'll get to full 23. But yeah, food, quick answer, I guess. Um, I see him as an inside center. I think that's where he's most damaging uh, ball in hand and can be used most effectively. Right. Um, Nelson, was there a player that you saw as the one that you're most keen to see this year? Look, I'm just continu- continually excited by Amor and his, mm. you know, 
slow transition, hopefully, in taking that starting jersey. Not once, I think, last year did he play more than 60 minutes, and there's no surprise when you've got Dane Coles in your squad. Yeah. Um, but how old is Dane Coles now? 35 or something along those lines. So I just see a slow transition. I don't think Al Moore is just going to take both minutes week in, week out, but he's just such a dominant ball carrier. He's got a really good skill set for a hooker as well. And, I mean, ball in hand, he's just so exciting to watch. Yeah, That's going to be one of the biggest headaches. And I think the area I struggled the most with was who starts out of those two and how do you split minutes between the veteran and arguably the, the starting hooker, um, you know, for the All Blacks. Not that I agree with that, but, you know, he's been given a lot of opportunities there. And then the most exciting and damaging runner. So... How about we get into the 23 just so we can try and settle that debate? We've got three. We can get some sort of um, dominance there. The front row, as has already been mentioned, it's not the strongest um, area for them with the props, but I think they've actually developed a little bit of um, exciting options, maybe better fantasy players than actual scrummaging options. But for me, I want to start with um, Xavier Numia, Dane Coles, and Tyrell Lomax as a front row. Um, and I'd be having our more Rickety Stones and Alex Vito on the bench. Is that how you guys are seeing it as well? Yeah, look, uh, it's it's pretty close, pretty on point, I think, for me. It's just that, that headache at the, the hooker jersey. Yeah. Um, Coles could fill a, a dynamic kind of role to off the bench, but he it probably does make a bit of sense to start him and bring someone with the punch of Amor on later on in the game as well. The only other name I had there was Basili Otossi, who, uh, yeah. who was a number eight and has moved to the front row, much yeah. like uh, so many dynamic, excellent international front rowers. So I'm not sure where he is in their pecking order. He's probably lower down, but that excites me. I kind of want to see what he can do. So you're saying he's a poor man's pony. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he, could, he could be a good man's pony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think any, uh, any prop that can cover back row as well, that's so so exciting as an option to come through but um i actually don't mind that team so far it, it there's not household names but it looks a little better on paper than i was expecting um yep. for the locks i'm going to start with blackwell and bird um i think two workhorses so maybe not the same punch as normal but like two really hard working players is that what you guys would see as well yeah look this is this is going to be a little bit of an interesting one for me obviously they've got a few different options there um, Blackwell and Scrafton, if we're going off last year's form, are probably your two starters. Um, so it depends where they bring Bird in. And, and it would make sense to, to get that experience into that tight five for sure. Um, depends, especially if they're, they're starting Coles or not. Um, but it, it's really interesting to see, does he get straight in? Does he have to work his way in? Or is he used yeah. as a, that kind of bench role for them as well? So it, it is a bit of a tricky one for me. And I think for the um, the back row, there's also a few question marks as well because there's a team that I want to see and there's the exciting players, but then there's also people that have been around the bush for a while. Um, I want to see Devin Flanders, uh, Duplessis, Karifi, and Adi Sevilla as the back row. I don't like Karifi um, particularly. So if he was ousted um, and... You know, Honestly, Brad, you. Yeah, <laughs> I want to hear it. What, what are you thinking for the back row? Artis back to seven. Yep. And then Graydon Yossi back Perfect. at number eight. Perfect. Nice. Yeah. No. And, <laughs> and that's that's exactly what um I want for the end of the year. I've got Yossi on the bench ready to overtake because I think seeing nice. him this year in the NPC, he is God, he was so exciting to watch. And I think that's what yeah. they need. I I think getting Bird in um is smart because he's a sort of safer player, but 
the Hurricanes flourished because of their exciting players. So I don't want to see Reed Princep who's making, you know, 16 tackles, running 10 times for, you know, two metres. I, I want to see some, like, X-factor players. And I think the Hurricanes mm-hmm. have them in spades. So, I mean, a Flanders severe um, UFC back row is just dynamite. So yeah. Well, that's good. All right. Uh, see you, Karifi. Um, I'm so glad that... <laughs> <laughs> We're... We're all on board with that. And yeah. I mean, he's just a huge risk that he carted at any moment. Yeah. And for me last year, it was you fix it or catch you later. And I don't think he fixed it. So yeah. for me, it's got better. Well, yeah. I don't know the answer to this. Are they doing 20 minute or 80 minute red cards this year? <laughs> yeah, actually, true. Because <laughs> that's, that's probably how, how they decide if they pick him or not. Yeah. <laughs> I like because I think um, the change he made to the draft scoring system where penalties went from negative five to negative four. That was nearly solely for Karifi. Like he, he was a major benefactor of that. He um pretty much 100%. <laughs> just yeah. him and the props. Um, all right. So a few question marks for the uh forward back, but yeah, it's still an exciting team on paper. Um, for me, the halves have gone Perinara and Love. Um Ruben Love really excited me. He's someone that I think at the start of last year we had listed as a outside back in our fantasy comp just because I sort of saw him as a fullback. And now now that he's listed as a fly half, we're very excited to try and get him early. I think just as someone that looks like he wants to run the ball a lot, even though he might not kick, um, you know, for sticks as often as you'd like him to. But Perinara and Love seems like the combo for me. Um, do we have any Jackson Garden Bachop lovers on the other side? Or we don't. No, uh, no we definitely don't. Um, <laughs> it's not Connor. You know, he's he's the yeah. wrong Garden Bachop for sure. Um, it might be real rough, but we used to call him Gun Bachop when he was at the, <laughs> at the Rebels. Yeah. Um, look, oh. I, I'm a big fan of Booth. I mean, he's definitely yeah. not taking over Perinara, but Jesus, he's unlucky. He is yeah. such a good halfback. I, I think you actually have to give him some good minutes. You know, yeah. I, I think he's a, a is a developing player. He's had some really, you know, unfortunate years being behind people and with some injuries when he's been performing really well. So he's the one that can upset the apple cart a little bit for me. Um, he's just an exciting player. Yeah, and, and the other name that I want to highlight is Aiden Morgan. You know, they, they don't have a lot of depth at fly half. Obviously, I think Ruben Love will be given the keys to, to steer the team around this year. But Garden Bashup, I mean, you know my thoughts on him now. Aiden Morgan, I think if he's coming through as a young young playmaker, he's very exciting as well. So they do have some interesting young talent there as well. Nice. Um, the area that we've already spoken about a little bit, the centres and the outside backs, there's probably a little bit of room for argument. Um so we might go the outside backs first just because I think, to me, they're a little bit more clear-cut. I've put Rayasi, Sevilla, and Barrett. Um, Julian Sevilla, I didn't know what sort of form he'd come back in. Um, but last year, I think he actually proved he still got it. Um, still really damaging ball in hand. And I think just has that experience as well in a back line that isn't super experienced. Um, still quite young. So to me, um, Rayasi and Barrett are a lock. And then that right wing, I've, I've put Sevilla. But I guess there's room for movement. Do you guys... Um, see Houston or is someone else stepping into that role? I'm a huge Houston fan. Uh, I think one of the things that maybe goes against him, that he's a little bit more versatile, uh, uh, Houston, sorry, a little bit more uh, versatile to cover sort of the centres, the yeah. wing, um, and that might go against him, which means yeah. he fills that that bench role really well. But uh, we had this same question, so I was looking at the minutes that each of these guys played. Um, Hoyson played 615, Ray Arce played 685, and Sevilla 758. Mm. But he definitely got, you know, bulk of the minutes. But if we see how that broke up, um, Sevilla played eight on the right, two on the left, 
Poison played five on the right, three on the left, and Rayasi only played on the left. He played mm. eight on the left. So they're, they're clearly seeing him as their left wing. Yeah. So it is sort of out of that Sevilla poison and how they want to sort of play. But off the back of last year, Sevilla is probably getting that start. Yeah. And I guess that brings us to the uh, the juicy part of it. We've already heard my Umanga Jensen and Sullivan center combo, a really unlikely combination. This is probably the one that's more of a, a heart decision than a head one. Um, Harry, who do you see being that center combination and this sort of partnership for the Hurricanes? Mm-hmm. I think all the way through this podcast for the Hurricanes, we'll pick two we want to see, not, yeah. not who we want to see. <laughs> yeah. If I'm saying who I think we will see, I think it'll be Peter Amunga Jensen at 12 and Billy Proctor at 13. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I'd actually like to see Tay Walton get a run at 12 outside and uh, have Peter Amunga Jensen outside of him as well, just because I think he's an underrated player. He steers the ship pretty well. He's quite experienced yeah. now as well, so you don't have a couple of young centres in there together. Um, maybe not quite as exciting as Balan Sullivan as an option for X Factor, but yeah. just probably the experience that they need in that side outside of a young 10 as well. You probably want someone that's quite a talented playmaker and can really take yeah. a bit of pressure off the 10 as well. Yep, yeah, I think that's a smart call too because he he's already proven that he can do a good job at inside centre for a team that didn't necessarily yeah. have the, the best fly halves while he was there. And he could sort of steer them around quite well. Um, just going through the bench as well, I think we've, pretty much listed everyone that we would see getting game time. As I said, Jamie Booth, he's really unlucky because he had the whole season last year to try and prove himself as the nine and then got injured in the mm. warm-up matches, I think, wasn't it? Or right at the start of the season. So yeah, really yeah, exciting yeah. team for them, um, which I guess for me, we've got to get to the draft. We've got to look at who from this team is getting picked up. And this team actually has a few players that I'm very keen to get probably first round. Um, I'd say there's at least one first round pick in there, maybe two, depending on how you're seeing it. So um, Nels, who from that team do you want in your side? Um, purely off stuff that we were, we've been talking about. I, I think there's a low hanging fruit. I think there's actually a few low hanging fruits, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. So look, I'm, I'm going to say Celeste Rayasi. Um, nice. Solidify himself as that left wing, uh, just a, a, a really good ball in hand rugby player. And he is built for fantasy footy. So <laughs> running through people, he's, he's a quick player, can finish at the end of a back line. You're hoping that has developed a little bit further and, and is a little bit stronger with the likes of um, Perinara coming back into it. So hopefully we seem to see more ball this year, um, which is just a scary thing, scary <laughs> prospect. Yeah. Um, Harry, what about for you? Is there someone that uh, can be even more damaging than Royasi? I think the biggest thing for me in terms of picking fantasy footy players that get really good stats is, is that they need to be playing week in, week out. And most of the really exciting players for the Hurricanes, you've really got something hanging over your head that they're going to get dropped every second or third week for one of their competitors. Yep. So because of that, I'm going to stick with Geordie Barrett. Obviously, yep. fantastic, fantastic international player. Maybe not quite as sexy as the Rayasi pick. But <laughs> I think he'll play every single game. And he, yeah, he'll, every kick, minute. he'll kick goals. He'll slide in at 10. He will just have so much responsibility. Yeah. yeah. And to be honest, he's the person that I was sort of thinking is that top eight pick. I think, you know, he was someone that was always an early option and a, a good outside back. But if he's goal kicking, if he's sort of got that jersey locked in, I don't see any reason why he couldn't be hovering around that sort of fifth, sixth pick even. Like he, he's, um, it, it is a really exciting option. Um, for me, I, I guess I've got to add someone new then. Um, and this is a, a by the books, because this is no one's going to be surprised, but Artie Sevilla. 
I mean, he does have competition for places, but he's just, he's such an exciting option. Like when he gets that leg drive going, you see some runs and it's literally a 30 point run just in what he does with beating defenders and like breaking through the line. So he's someone that does excite me when he's given the chance, but I am concerned as you sort of brought up, he does seem like he could be getting a few more rests this year. Um, The leadership positions that he's got for both them and also in the all black setup, there is definitely a chance that he's not playing week in week out. Um, And if they do get a lead that he is sort of one of the ones rested. So maybe not as solid a pick as he's been in the last few years, but still, uh, if he's, you know, a name on my team sheet, I'm looking at that pretty excitedly, I think. Yeah, look, I think another one just to just to throw out, I know we've all done our, our three out, one each, but in terms of halfback, Perinara, do you know where he was sitting fantasy-wise? Can you remember how good he was back in 2019, what he would have ranked in terms of the halfbacks? Oh, as a, he was a freak. Wasn't he the top halfback in like the third or fourth? Like he had a really high average, like top five now. Yeah, he was he was the top halfback for sure in in 2019. He is definitely a you know a good fantasy halfback. Yeah. So I mean, he's another one we can we can give a shout. Obviously, I'm, I'm saying Booth deserves some good minutes there. But if we're going off history, we know it's Perinara. He's yeah. he's a pretty safe bet as well. Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, in my 23, I didn't put a reserve 10 on the bench. I just figured Booth gets on, and you know, if they do want to take a love off, then Perinara might just shift in there just because yeah, why not? No. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, that is a very exciting team. So to wrap them up, um, where they finished on the ladder, I've got them as sixth. So we, we spoke a bit before about how Brummies and Reza had as fourth and fifth. I might have gone a little high on that. Um, and I, I can sort of tell by the reactions, it might be higher than you think. But for me, I think that team on paper is exciting enough and they've got a really good uh, 15. If just sort of keeping them healthy and how quickly that sort of tight five can gel and mix it with the rest. I think Bird does help uh, with that a lot. And I do think New Me is actually quite uh, improved with that. So for me, I do see them finishing above all the other Oz sides. And six for me is probably, I think, a result they'd be happy with. So, uh, Harry, because you maybe don't think they will finish as high, whereabouts do you see them? I actually, I'm doing the maths in my head. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, that makes complete sense. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I had in my, my head ninth, but I think I was just counting badly, to be honest with you. I, I agree. I think they'll come fourth out of the New Zealand sides. Yeah. They'll beat all the Aussie sides other than the Reds and the Brums. Yeah. Um, and the way that New Zealand plays Australia, they could, they could even beat one of those sides. So, yeah, I think six yeah. is pretty fair. Okay. That is one of the things. When you said um, eight, I was like, oh, yeah, like a great. This is um, this is a good take because I'd. I don't know if I'm being too generous with them. And I, I think when um when we hear we some of the other We haven't accounted for the TARS topping the table yet. Yeah, it's true. True, yeah. I mean, I, I think the TARS, I know we, we're sort of derailing to be a TARS and Reds podcast as much as we can, but... Which is good. The, the TARS just having Hooper, I think that's plus three wins instantly. Just having him in the team is... There's so three wins just added in. Three wins for the year. Then, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, look, I'm, I'm very keen to see them play, but look, Thanks, thanks for coming on talking about Brumbies and Hurricanes. These are two of the most exciting teams um, for me. And, and while they don't have the maybe the caliber of the Crusaders and Blues, this is a, a very stacked set of teams. So I'm glad we could have you on to talk about them and just sort of go through uh, these guys. Before wrapping up, is there anything, I guess, with these teams or with Super Rugby Pacific um, in general that you're most excited for before the season starts? Look, I just think over the last few years, we've had a transition that we've probably had to have in super rugby, you know, 
although none of us like losing the South African sides, it, it makes sense in terms of the structure, the, the travel. We all missed the Western Force. I don't think they should have ever gone. So great to see them back. We've seen the, the Ndrua come through in the NRC and just be such an exciting team with far less support than they have now. Um, so and then the Moana Pacifica coming into it. This, this for me, is almost perfect. Uh, I don't know what the perfect structure looks like. And it probably involves a Super Rugby AU and a Super Rugby Aotearoa to start off with. And we might actually, you know, be set looking directly at that. But for me, I'm just excited to see this new format that looks like what the future of Super Rugby is going to be. So I'm, I'm excited for that. Nice. And you, you started to talk a little bit about my point. Um, I think the the change mm. in fixtures because of New Zealand's border laws with COVID has meant that I'm most excited about Super Rugby, essentially Super Rugby AU to start yeah. the season. Yeah. Yeah. Because I just I just think back to how the season went in 2021 and Australian fans were so on board Rugby Union when we were just playing the other Aussie size because we were getting wins every single week. So, yeah. except the Tars. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was super, super exciting. And, you know, it gives us the opportunity again to get into the season to build and hopefully be in good form to play the Kiwi sides at the back end. It's going to be tough playing them every week in, week out at the back end, which is a bit of a double-edged sword. But, yeah, really excited to see the Kiwis play the Kiwis and the Aussies play the Aussies to start off. Yeah. And, of course, let's not forget the Moana Pacifica and Drua, and they'll yeah. be playing in those sides as well. I think one of the nice things there, just, just to wrap that up, is um, we'll actually, because it is part of the same competition, as much as it would be cool to see a Super Rugby U separate, by the time we get to the New Zealand teams, we'll actually have some sort of points on the ladder and probably some sort of position that might you know, be top eight or close to um, yep. hopefully that gives some of those teams enough of a push to be like oh actually we're still in this if we can just you know eke out one win here and get you know a losing bonus point here which shouldn't be the mindset that they go with but just I think mentally they, they probably are checking a little bit more and like hey we're actually right in this we're not starting from you know the five losses we had last year or whatever it may be every side's definitely got a shout to, to you know fill that 7-8 spot yeah. on the table you know, like, I mean, you're not going to top most of the Kiwi teams and, and a couple of the Aussie teams, but there's a handful of teams there that definitely have a shout for that position. I mean, that yeah. includes the Ndrua and, and Moana Pacifica. So it just depends how quick they can gel and, and get onto, you know, the, the winner's table, winner, winner's column. But it's going to be a really exciting battle for, for those lower spots. Eight, probably too many teams, but it makes it exciting. Very nice. Well, guys, thanks for coming on. Now, for everyone listening, make sure to check out the Draft Rugby podcast because they've already done their Drua and uh, the Australian preview for that conference. New Zealand ones to come out as well as Mono Pacifica. And I'm very keen to see uh, what other you know teams get named and listed because I hadn't heard you know, your thoughts on the Hurricanes team. So I'm glad uh, we had some differences and some bits of approval. I'll be keen to tune in and just hear how you guys uh, talk about Karifi and just uh, what sort of position we put him in. Yeah. So, yeah. Looking forward to that. I'll I'll, I'll throw in one other little exciting pod that we've got coming out, um, and that's the Say My Name podcast uh, for the Fiji and Grua. So I think that's a really important one for, I mean, anyone. If you've listened to that, especially especially Harry, who got called out (laughs) for one of his pronunciations. But look, I I think we all, including you, Rev, and we all try to get the names correct and having such a bulk amount of players coming in from especially Fiji, um, I think it's really important to make that effort to get these names right. So hopefully we're just going to help facilitate that. I mean, it's not going to be 
the most exciting podcast maybe about that but i'm sure we'll get it's a few a resource um, yeah i think yeah. we're gonna get a few exciting tips out of it as well and, and and find out about a few other players but i think yeah it's gonna be a good one for us to do i think that's probably the most valuable given we've seen what a change it's made to the commentary team with um matt tour and you know, marika corin betty like actually making sure we're doing the best to pronounce and get that um you know right for people that have the pacific heritage it's a massive thing for uh, the polynesian melanesian community i think to feel really included in the comp so i think that's an awesome initiative you guys are going through so keep ears out for that and uh we'll see you next week as we look to do more of the previews for super rugby pacific thanks for having us on